Hey there, and welcome to another edition of the Collector's Quest podcast. I'm Stefan, here with Stefan, here with Stefan. What's going on, guys? No, seriously, uh, you know, as most of you know, uh, Tyler, one of our co-hosts, uh, got married recently, and so he's going to be indisposed for the next probably month or so. Uh, and uh, what with all the COVID-19 stuff happening as well, uh, it kind of put us in a position where the three of us have difficulty getting together. And so rather than trying to, give, or rather than giving you no podcast, we decided to each do a, sort of a, a separate little side quest, if you will, uh, on a particular topic. And uh, so I am next in line. Uh, and I decided that I'm going to talk about uh, one of the most uh, requested topics from me personally, or the thing that people ask me the most about, and that's really um, social strategies and uh, how to be social in collecting and how to use things like social media or just different strategies when you're talking to people uh, to benefit your collection or make that deal uh, or plant that seed in someone's head. So, uh, what this is really going to be, it's going to be a conversation about uh, tips and tricks using various social engagement uh, methods uh, and methodologies to find things uh, or to get better deals. What this isn't going to be is a lesson in how to make you a better person or how to uh, help you uh, be a more social person. You know, that's definitely key to this, right? Uh, I think introverts are going to have a harder time in general uh, implementing some of these strategies, uh, but I'm not here to teach you how to be a, not an introvert. Um, but so uh, so that just kind of puts some guardrails on this for us. Um, so the first thing, I'm going to basically start out small and go big. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is uh, your personal life and really the benefit of flying your nerd flag, right? Um, I know a lot of people have difficulty um, talking to their coworkers or their friends or their family about their hobbies, you know, like retro game collecting. They're afraid that there'll be judgments or whatnot, but understand that uh, if you do... Uh, put yourself out there to your friends and family, they're going to know t that you're interested in things and they'll just oftentimes just start giving you things. Um, I can't tell you how many times I'll get into work. Now, of course, I work in the games industry, so it's a little bit more frequent for me, but I'll come into work and there'll be something sitting on my desk that a that a coworker just decided that they were rummaging through their closet and didn't want any more and just decided to give to me. And so uh, opportunities like that, if you let your uh, people in your personal life know that you enjoy collecting retro video games, uh, those opportunities will start to happen for you. So uh, that's just a real easy way to, um, to, to help get games from your personal circle. Um, you know, and it also, you know, people will know to come to you when they find things. Um, so that's pretty helpful. Uh, so going along to brick and mortar. So this is really talking to uh, people who run shops or, you know, booths at conventions. Conventions are a little bit different. I'll talk about those next, but uh, but brick and mortar. So 
Walking into your local game store, uh, first and foremost, get to know the store staff, get to know the owners, come in often. Every time you come in, talk to them. It doesn't have to be about making a deal. Just get to know them, make friends. Uh, in, in that regard, you know, not just will you build actual genuine relationships that you will uh, enjoy, but it will put you at the forefront of their minds when things come in and they will start to uh, save things for you or they will start to cut deals without you having to ask, right? It's always good to ask, especially in a in a vending environment, right? They are expecting you to barter. So there's there's no reason why not to 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 barter or haggle. But if you are if you put in the work and build that relationship and kind of cross into that, you know, past that consumer barrier into the friend barrier, then um, you will start to reap benefits without trying. Um, and so, you know, I have people say like, oh, how'd you get such and such a deal from the store? They never you know, give me deals when I go in there. And the secret is just, I spend lots and lots of time, you know, making friends and getting to know these people. It's not magic. It's a fair bit of work, but, but it's not magic. You talk to people and, and, uh, you'll reap the rewards there. Um, remember it, it really never hurts to ask in a, in a store environment, you know, as far as negotiating a price, the worst that they can say is no. Um, and, but there, you know, as long as you don't try to like, consistently lowball them incredibly then typically they want to keep you as a customer so it's not gonna they're not gonna be offended if you want to uh, try to make a deal in that environment um also you know let them know what you're looking for you know if they're if they are the type of people who will uh call you or text you when something comes in then that's awesome you know i can't tell you you know there's been a number of times when I let a retailer know that I was uh, looking for something and then I didn't think about it for months and then I get a random text saying, hey man, I got your thing. Uh, so yeah, just letting them know what you're looking for is really, really helpful. Uh, so conventions are a little bit different only because you can be a little bit more assertive than you normally would. Uh, with conventions, always, 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 always haggle. There's no reason not to because in a convention environment, they are expecting you to haggle. Their, their marked prices, nine times out of 10, I can think of maybe one or two vendors off the top of my head that don't do this, Will they will mark up their sticker price knowing that people are going to haggle down. So you are only leaving money on the table if you don't haggle in a convention environment. Uh, the other big tip for conventions would be to uh, wait for the last day for big buyouts. You know, uh, Johnny and I are are pretty pretty well known for doing that. Like <laughs> Portland, every time we go to Portland, one of us comes back with a big box of crap we don't really need. Um, I remember he bought. He's gonna correct me, but it's like a, it was like a uh, like 500 Wii games that he paid like a dollar a piece for that he bought on Sunday at Portland. Um, so that uh, so yeah, wait for the last day. You know they don't they shipped in all this stuff that they especially if it's a vendor that uh, that drove a long way or or shipped their stuff, they don't want to have to pay to ship it back. So they're willing to cut big deals. So take advantage of that. Um, unless it's something like if it's something rare or. Uh, in high demand, you can't really wait, right? Because it's gonna, not going to be there on Sunday. 
But if it's like a big bulk deal, just, yeah, dude, just wait till, you know, if you're going to go and buy out a table of Xbox uh, Xbox games, just wait till the last day. It's, you know, you're not going to miss out a ton if you wait. Uh, and you'll uh, save quite a bit of money. Uh, so the next thing I think I wanted to talk about would be social media. Uh, and this is where I'll kind of give uh, a blanket statement of the more you put yourself out there to be seen and to be known, uh, the more things will come to you, right? Um, so the caveat to that that I hear a lot of is that, you know, you put yourself out there on the internet, there's creeps, there's thieves, there's all these people that uh, want your stuff, they're going to break into your house, they're going to, you know, I don't know, do all sorts of crazy things. People people get all caught up in their heads. Um I'm not saying that there's no risk, right? I'm not saying that, you know, there's a 0% chance that something will happen to you adversely if you make yourself very well known on the internet. But in my personal experience, the pros for collecting have far outweighed the the cons for every time that I've had a bad experience by, you know, sharing myself on social media. Um, you know, I've gotten dozens and dozens of good deals and, and rare things and things I wasn't even looking for or knew existed in return. So in my personal experience, the pros of being very active on social media is uh, far outweighs the, the cons. Um, so uh, I wanted to talk about a couple different uh, platforms and uh, and how they differ and this is specifically for social media so I wanted to start with Facebook uh, Facebook is very good for specific communities like if you if you want to or if you're looking for something specific original art or kiosks or water graded games or whatever Facebook is a great resource because there are dedicated groups some of them very large uh, to specific communities uh, to specific disciplines. So uh, I wanted to go through just a couple of uh, groups that I really like. Uh, the first one is uh, Console Purist. Now, they're not necessarily uh, a resource for acquisition directly, um, but they have 18,000 members, and that's a, a fair bit. And so there's just a lot of eyes on that community. So if you go there looking for something, there's a lot of people that will... that that may be able to see that post. So that so that's console purist is a good catch all for me. Um, or if I'm if I'm wanting to get myself out there, like I talked about earlier, you post something, you know, a, a picture of your game room on console purist, and a lot of people are going to see it. Uh, there is another group for original artwork specifically. If you are into box art or manual art or magazine art like me or ad work or you know there's there's tons of different types of original art for games but uh, and this one's a little bit of a mouthful the group name is called original artwork for video games pinball board games rpgs and other uh, it's it's supposed to be games but it's abbreviated as gms um this is probably the might not be the the largest group interested in the topic but as far as the uh, people who are most active in the hobby, they're all here. Uh, the group is run by Dan Maresca, who's uh, Bronte. He's uh, famously the gentleman that sold the uh, $100,000 Mario. Um, and he has a, uh, you know, world-class uh, collection of, of cover art. Um, Adam Harvey, another big collector, also there. Um, so 
if you are if you are looking to get into the art scene or uh, looking for people to uh, purchase art from there is also a sales group version of this group but it's a very similar name but if you just look for original artwork for video games pinball board games rpgs and other gms on facebook you will find it uh, the third group I wanted to talk about is video game kiosk and display collectors. Again, this is not the only uh, kiosk and display collecting community, but it is, in my opinion, the strongest one. Um, and uh, and there's just some world-class collectors there. Uh, and it's not only a great place to buy and sell if you're looking for kiosks and displays, but also a, uh, just a, a incredible knowledge base. Um, there's a, a few people uh, that frequent that group that are just incredibly, incredibly knowledgeable. So it's a very good resource. Um, so that's about it for Facebook. Uh, I mean, as a blanket for Facebook, um, generally, if you just search their groups for keywords of things you're interested in, you're going to find a group. And if you're like, well, which group should I join? Uh, member count is a good indicator. So if you see a group with 8,000 members, then that's probably a reasonable group to to join if you uh, are interested in that topic. Um, and if that isn't the right group for you, chances are someone who is in that group uh, will know of a different group that uh, that is great for you. I'm going to have to edit out me drinking coffee. Or probably not. Uh, the next platform I wanted to talk about is Twitter. Um, Twitter and Instagram are the last two I'm going to talk about. But the, the difference in Twitter and Instagram that I have found personally is that uh, Instagram is a little bit more curated. It depends highly on the use of hashtags, so it um, focuses your audience a little bit more. Twitter seems to be more of a fire hose, um, so the reach is more broad, but you will also attract a, um, a much less focused audience. Uh, so, so yeah, Twitter's great if you're just like again trying to put yourself out there. Um, you you could get quite a you know quite a few eyes fairly fairly quickly. Instagram is a much more visual medium. It's it's definitely driven by photography, which is a um, a boon if you have a game room that you'd like to show off, or uh, if you are you know looking for things, you can very quickly like search for a hashtag and keep scrolling and just wait till you see the item um i will say for usage of hashtags instagram is it's almost a requirement to use hashtags if you want your content to be searchable twitter not so much there uh, the way that that their search engine works is a little bit different it won't just search for hashtags like instagram tends to so actually on twitter usage of hashtags is kind of seen as a little bit outdated or um, or by use, use uh, it's often used by corporate brands so uh, sometimes if you use a bunch of hashtags people will assume that you are either a brand or that you are an, uh, an older Twitter user um, the other thing about Instagram is that there is a very strong specific retro community in Instagram which there doesn't like again Twitter seems to be a broader appeal. The audience you get, again, is less focused. So Instagram is definitely a more uh, focused uh, community. 
So, uh, so I think that's about it for the social platforms. Um, I think I'll talk about kind of the, this is more art of the deal stuff. Um, so that kind of being social, uh, how to talk to people. But I wanted to talk a little bit about two things in tandem um, is how to talk to, how to negotiate one-on-one with someone versus, uh, and, and and really when I say one-on-one, I mean like a person who is not a store owner, right? Um, because the rules are a little bit different. Um, for one thing I will say, uh, is you should always ask a private individual what else they have. I've preached this a lot, but I cannot stress this enough. If if through your conversation, the phrase, what else you got, does not come up, uh, you're really, really doing it wrong. Um, because I can't tell you how many times I went to buy a singular item for some, from somebody and uh, and then I said, what else you got? And a magic door opened and they brought in boxes and boxes of retro stuff that they weren't even tending on selling because a lot of these people don't understand the value of this uh, in of objects in this hobby. And uh, so they don't know what uh, is worth selling. And so sometimes they'll make the wrong guess. You know, I've had people really obsess over the price of a Zelda gold cartridge and you know they say well well this is so, it's really valuable it's the rare gold one you know which we as collectors know that that is not the case um and so while they are super obsessed over the price of this gold Zelda cartridge you know on the other side of the table there's this some rare item that they uh they don't really care about so, uh, so look out for that. Definitely, um, you know, always, always say what else you got. Um, one other thing that I do a lot with one-on-one interactions, and this is really key for uh, people that you think have a lot of things that you want to buy or that you are going to return to over time, and that is overpaying upfront like on the first thing you buy from them intentionally so that later you get better deals on other things because you can leverage that sale and say, well, you know, I, I paid you really well for this. I need a little break now. Or um, or even without saying that, you will generate goodwill, goodwill with that person, right? So if you say, you know, if, if I paid, uh, you know, let's say $500 for something that's worth $300, um, that's going to pay me dividends in that relationship later on. Um, so, um, so that's really kind of it for one-on-one. Some of the other rules apply. Um, you know, haggling with people one-on-one is a little bit, uh, different than with a, with a vendor. You know, you have to consider again, how often are you going to interact with this person, whether or not they have things that you, uh, whether or not they're going to have things that you want in the future, whether or not you want to maintain a relationship with this person, or if this is just going to be a transaction. Because if it's just going to be a transaction, then uh, then it's you know you can push a little bit harder, but if or you know haggle a little bit harder. But if this is going to be a 
a, someone that you are going to cultivate a relationship with, it pays you not to push because then later they will not push back at you. And that's in general. I'm sure there's jerks out there all the time. But, uh, you know, sometimes you can make relationships that way. And then it just gets to the point where neither of you really care about the value of an item as much as wanting to see something go to a good home. Um, or, you know, when I say don't care, I mean, you know, within reason. But, uh, but you know, like when Johnny and I make a trade, for instance, you know, we, we generally are just like, okay, let's just do it and we'll figure it out later. And, and, and it all comes out in the wash, right? That's, that's a big, that's a big uh, phrase that gets batted around between me and Johnny all the time where it's, you know, if, if I am giving him something for a, a hot deal now, then, you know, he'll give me something for a hot deal later. It all works out. It's fine. Um, so, and th that's really, that's really the goal, right? With individual relationships to get to a point like that because, uh, because it's so low effort. Right. I, I don't as, as much stress as I am under for some of the trades that I make or some of the deals that I make when I work with someone like Johnny. It's so effortless that it's it's just a great experience. And, you know, why wouldn't you want that? Um, the other piece that I wanted to talk about, and this kind of gets uh, further into social engineering a little bit. I didn't want this to be a podcast about social engineering, really, because I want it to be clear that the friendships that I make and the relationships that I make are genuine, right? Um, I have never, in I have never developed a relationship in which I am disinterested in that person as a person. Like it may have started out transactional, but as I put in quote unquote the work to develop this relationship, these are genuine friends, right? I love each of these people, and that's that's something that uh, that you should impart when you are building these relationships too. If you are not genuine, if you do not actually care about the people that you are dealing with, they can tell. I promise you they will know that you are fake. So, uh, so it's important to be genuine. And that kind of brings me into, um, rather than kind of going into general general social engineering I wanted to talk about it in the content and the content uh, I wanted to talk about it in the context of buying things that aren't for sale right um, now this doesn't necessarily apply to uh, vendors right because vendors absolutely know what they have or generally know what they have and if they don't want to sell something chances are, uh, they aren't going to sell it because, or it's going to be, or the solution is going to be money. So, um, so what I'm trying to teach you here is how to buy things that aren't for sale, not w with, with money, not being the driver, right? Money, not being your primary strategy, because yes, it's true. Lots of people have a price, right? Whatever it is, uh, you know, it might be a million dollars for something, whatever. They'll sell it at a million dollars, right? Everybody has some price, but it's not a, always about money or even cha even changing their mind in the moment, right? What it's about is planting the seed and putting yourself in the best possible situation or position when they do change their minds. Uh, and so you want to be that person, the very first person that they think of uh, when they decide to let something go. 
so uh, I'll 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 make a good um, I'll, I'll make a I have a good story for this. I have a twenty year uh, trophy from Nintendo, the the twenty twenty year service award. This award represents twenty years of someone's life. Right, that is not something that someone gives to someone else without uh, a lot of thought uh, and a lot of care, right? It's not that, I didn't buy that as much as it was rehomed to me, right? So, uh, and the way that I did that was I, um, bef- I befriended that person and uh, and over the course of, I think, I don't think I asked him about it. Like I knew he had it, but I didn't think I, I don't think I asked him about it for two months or three months, right? Um, so it was a lot of building that relationship and then getting to a point where he was comfortable enough that, of course, I was the right home for that. Now, again, genuine friendship. I am you know, good friends with this person to this day. I will always be good friends with this person to this day. Um, but again, it just, it was a relationship that started transactionally, right? And then grew into a genuine friendship. So, uh, and, and that is so key. Again, you cannot be fake and try to build these relationships because then you're just going to be the fake friend, right? Or like the guy that they keep in their lives because, uh, because you are a benefit to them, right? That you're a cash cow or you can find things for them or you don't want to just be be that person in their life you if you actually put in the work and have a genuine friendship then it's going to a benefit you as a person right but but also it will uh ancillarily um benefit your hobby your collection um the other piece is uh have a good story when you approach someone and you're looking for something that's not for sale uh, and this isn't lying, right? Don't lie to someone. Again, it's all loops back into being genuine. Don't be a liar. That's dumb. But everyone has a good story, uh, and so it's 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 a story that makes you look like the best home for this object, right? Um, if it's your, you know, you had some childhood. Uh, specific story to a of a particular game or you uh if you know in in my case i talk a lot about uh how i do uh, museum exhibits right and that's so that's something that's really really gravitates people towards me because they they want to they like the idea that their rare pieces or you know artwork or whatever is going to be shared with a community right that's a very a strong selling point right um and again a hundred percent true. Don't go telling people that you're going to start a museum if you're not starting a museum. Uh, that's gotten some people into a lot of trouble. So, uh, so again, uh, have a good story, and you will um, you will help. It'll help you plant the seed, um, so that when these people do decide, if they decide not to sell, and that's okay, and we're going to talk about that next. Uh, that you are the absolute first person that they think of because it's not, it's important that it's about them feeling good 
about this transaction because when you're dealing with items that aren't for sale uh, generally or items that are very very rare uh, these it's a it's often a close-knit community and you can poison the well very easily right so if I have a bad experience with someone else uh, or with one person they're going to tell their friend who tells their friend who tells their five friends and then all of a sudden there's a huge community out there who thinks you're an asshole uh, which is obviously not what you want so I would say providing a good experience to someone that you are uh, having a transaction with is more important than you getting the item right because here's the thing if I don't get an item for whatever reason but I provide that person with a genuinely good experience, they are going to tell their friends and their friends' friends and all their friends when uh, about you when someone goes to ask, right? Because I see this happen a lot in in art or in with internal employees, right? I will have a relationship with one person and then I will go and find someone else. And then they go and ask person A about me. And if person A says, no, that dude's a prick, then I've lost out on, on person B's item, right? Um, and, but, and, and so that's agnostic of whether or not I got the item for the first person, right? So if I, let's say I had a really shitty deal, but I offered the first guy a, a, a ton of money or whatever, and he took it just because he couldn't pass up the deal, but I was an asshole, then I got that item, but now I've effed myself out of 12 other items because all those people heard about me from that first person, right? So it's so much more to your benefit to uh, to give people a good experience than it is for you to secure that item, right? Uh, which brings me, and I talked a little about it already, but uh, when this is the time when pushing and haggling is not necessarily to your benefit. In fact, I would, again, tying back into that uh, first point of overpaying up front to underpay later, uh, I would tell you it's better, especially if you really want something, right? Uh, it's better to either just give them what they want or when they push back to walk away and say, you know what, you know how to find me if, if you know, you change your mind, but that's, you know, for whatever reason, I can't do that. Um, that's better than pushing through a sale and kind of generating bad feelings, but getting that item. Um, and uh, just because, especially at this this one-on-one level and, th- you know, with things that aren't necessarily for sale, if you don't push, right, and you can't make a deal, and you just walk away and you tell them, hey, you know, or if they say, hey, I just don't want to sell this for, it doesn't matter how much money, this is too sentimental, this is too whatever, uh, to say, hey, you know how to find me, or, uh, and just walk away, or continue to develop that relationship, uh, and then that way, when they change their mind, again, you are that first person. This is all, all of these strategies are tied to making sure that you are the first person that they think of when they're ready to sell something. Um, so that's really the summation of, of sort of the social engineering aspect of this. I hate that phrase because it makes me feel so 
not genuine. But again, I cannot stress that the strategies that I've imparted to you create a genuine relationship with people and the getting what you want is a byproduct of that genuine relationship. And that is what you want when building a relationship with someone. Um, the bottom line for all of this that I wanted to kind of stress about is the more noise you make, the more visible you are. And again, going, going back to, you know, there are a lot of people, a lot of very, you know, well-known collectors that I am very good friends with that would say, you know, I don't show anything online. I don't, I don't do any of that. I'm a very, you know, closed individual and I don't share and it makes me nervous. And, you know, I don't want people to break into my house. And again, all valid concerns. I am never going to discount someone's concerns about safety because that is a ridiculous thing to do. Uh, but the other side to that coin is the more noise that you make, the more visible you are, the more people know that you're the person, right? Like with, you know, I've recently launched a Twitter account all about my Nintendo Power art collection. And I am without a doubt have now like created this ecosystem where I am the guy people think about when they think about Nintendo Power art, right? And that's already paid dividends to me where people, you know, would DM me and say, hey, I have this thing, would you be interested? Or like, I know a friend of mine, or can you, can you appraise this piece? That's already been happening. And I've only had that account for like a month now. Um, so, but making yourself more visible and it scales, right? You know, you don't have to have thousands and thousands and thousands of, of followers or, you know, to, to, to reap benefits. Now, cl clearly the more followers you have or the more eyes on you, you have the more opportunity you have for these things to happen, but that doesn't mean that they won't happen at a smaller scale, right? It'll just, it'll snowball over time. Um, so don't, I'm not coming from this like point of arrogance where it's like, oh, I have X amount of followers and like you have to get to this kind of point to reap these benefits. No, no. Like even if you only have, you know, X amount of followers, you know, hundreds or dozens or whatever, you will reap those benefits. It will just be at, a, at to scale. Right. Uh, and everyone has to start somewhere. Uh, so, and that's, that's really, really true. Like I, I can, remember very clearly when my collection was a shoebox full of Super Nintendo games. So don't be intimidated or think that you can only find success using this kind of approach um, with, you know, fewer eyes on you because you do have to build this. This does take time. You're not going to become uh, a successful social engineering slash social platform manager overnight, right? Um, but, and this is certainly not every approach either. This is, I just wanted to kind of give a, a primer. Like I said, this is one of our side quest episodes. So, uh, so it's a little bit shorter. Um, so, uh, I think, wow, I am at 35 minutes. Johnny's going to kill me. Um, so, uh, I am going to wrap it up there. Um, but I hope you guys found this useful. Um, Stefan, what are you buying? What are you playing? Um, I'm, you know, with the, uh, the COVID-19 stuff recently, I've been mostly shut in. Um, so it is kind of awkward to talk about a lot of these social one-on-one -on -one things when we're in a, we're in a point in time right now that, uh, it's difficult to be social, but, uh, 
but these will you know these these uh tips and tricks will help you you know when we get get on the other side of this thing and we absolutely will so um I just say stay safe out there, and uh, and yeah, uh, if you have any feedback for us on this particular format, which is the side quest format where we are kind of spending a little bit less time talking about a single topic, maybe just talking by ourselves. Um, I know I am not the strongest uh, podcaster of the three of us. There's so many ums and ahs, and I'm sure and and dead spaces and tripping over my words, but I really do hope that the uh, the content of this episode was worth. Uh, putting up with me so yeah um you can find me on twitter at uh, at art of np that's art of nintendo power if you just search for art of nintendo power it will also find me uh everywhere else uh nintendo or not nintendo uh video game sage um uh that's that's a topic i didn't even talk about video game forums those are also great places to be social to be social and find deals and uh and to make relationships. So there you go, videogamesage.com. Um, but uh, so Instagram and Video Game Sage and uh, YouTube, you can find me at Archon1981, A-R-C-H-O-N 1981. You can find Tyler at pretty much all those places as Default Gen, D-E-F-A-U-L-T-G-E-N, Default Gen. Uh, and uh, Johnny Ayuchi at Johnny underscore Ayuchi, or I think maybe on Video Game Sage, he's just Johnny. Um, so yeah, that's going to wrap it up for us, uh, and uh, I really hope you guys benefited from this. Um, <laughs> so sorry uh, this went longer than I thought. I was aiming for 15 minutes, and I'm about to hit 38 minutes. So uh, so yeah, uh, I'll see you guys later, and uh, stay, stay safe out there. All right, bye.